Welcome to Hookah Chats with Matt and Ethan, a podcast where two friends catch up and talk about whatever nerdy stuff comes to mind, usually over hookah. Enjoy. Works out. So happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. We're almost there. Thank God. I know. I feel old. I feel so old. Like, um, I'm I'm always the old crabby guy on this podcast anyway, but like I feel particularly old whenever I reflect back on a new, on the past year and how much it generally sucked and <laughs> and I look at like headlines and I look at these like there's all the late night shows are doing like the year review shit all that stuff and they keep talking about they keep talking about people that I don't know I've never heard of like like I don't know who any of these people are anymore like all this celebrity news or whatever if you don't have a social media account if you don't have like Twitter or Instagram or whatever you you completely don't know anything about anything what's going on because and I and to me that seems like a good thing because it seems like uh nothing important's going on like or I would have heard about it right <laughs> like like Doja Cat could come and spit in my face and I wouldn't know who the hell she was like I'd never I don't even know who she is but they got like this big story about her baby bumper whatever the fuck but like I'm like well at least everything's cool in Iran if we're talking about like Dua Lipa or whatever her name is <laughs> you know cool how are you? I'm so fucking tired. I have my California trip got canceled. No, it's okay. It's it's Omicron. I, I'm a little. I'm a. I'm disappointed, but I'm also a little relieved because, like, I that's why I shaved my beard. Like, I was gonna. I upgraded to N95 masks. Like, I was getting ready for the, you know, Richmond Airport. I had to stop at Dallas, had to stop, then get to um, John Wayne and St. Anne. Like I, there was so, I was going to be at so many airports. I was going to be around all these people I didn't know. Like I was really getting ready. Yeah. And then I was getting nervous because, you know, obviously Dre is not vaccinated yet. Like, right. And so, but now I've, it's going virtual, which is cool. But I've got to try to figure out if I'm going to keep, doing my poster like my research at this virtual thing as all this other stuff is coming up i'm gonna try to do it but it's there's so much it's so much well i thought right. you're going to california next week when yeah i'm going to, to Cal- going to california next week yeah well i was before i got yeah the that's what i thought canceled. yeah yeah and um and so i just there's wacky stuff going on at the church and it's just oh <laughs> One thing after another. There's some. I won't go into huge details, but there's a, a former music minister at the church who's trying to stage a military coup, and uh, that sounds entertaining as hell. What do you mean you're not going to tell me about it? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I don't know. I wanted to. I don't know. I'll tell you about it quick. So the, the quick and dirty version is: there's this lady. Her name's Dana, and Dana. I've heard a lot about Dana. And a lot of the stuff I've heard about her makes sense to me. And then there's like this one big story that makes no sense to me, and it's all connected. So, Dana's this former music minister at the church. And she was there for like six years. And then um, Penny was going to show up. So The ex-pastor. 
the ex-pastor, the pastor who right. I replaced. So Penny um, gets the church in 2018, I think. 2018. Yeah, that sounds right. And prior to that, Dana, the former music minister, the music minister who was a music minister at the church at the time, mm-hmm. and, a, and many people at the church in Gordonsville, many people wanted Dana to be their pastor. We really want Dana to be our pastor. And we're really okay. butthurt when Penny was appointed as the pastor. And in fact, Dana was so butthurt that she left. Like she left right after Penny got appointed. And... Is Dana a pastor? Or is she just like a lady that plays piano? Well, now this is where we're crossing into territory that I don't fully <laughs> understand, right? Like this is where the story makes no sense to me. Because so Dana is currently a pastor at a small non-denominational church in like the town over. Um, she, as far as I know, doesn't have any, she's not like licensed in any denomination. She, that's why she basically started her own and um, is not a Methodist. And so like, I'm hearing this story and, and all I could think of is why in the world would Dana and these families from the church think that it was even possible for for dana to be the pastor at the methodist church like it's not possible you can't just say here's the person we want to be our pastor bishop the bishop goes (laughs) no you know (laughs) here's here's who i've appointed so anyway dana still has a key to the church everybody has a key to the church. everybody's got a key to the church well dana's probably have a key to the church in my house somewhere maybe it's possible but Dana's one of them. And it turns out that Dana has been going in and out of the church in the middle of the night and taking things and looking at church uh, documents and uh, practicing the piano in the church and bringing people from her church into our church to do that. And it's really fun. And so... That sounds like a problem. It is a problem. And so I find this out and I tell Colette, the office administrator, well, you know, it's time to, we got to change the locks, you know, we have to change the locks. We had to change the locks anyway. We should have changed the locks immediately since there's like 40 keys out and we don't know who all these people are, but we definitely have to change the locks now. Um, this is all on the heels though of some really interesting things with Dana because there are still supporters of Dana at the church. And Dana, I have also found out kind of in the midst of this has been in contact with members of my church to either get them to come to her church or in this really strange case to get her email address onto church like email lists like so Mm -hmm. that she knows who's sick or she knows what's going on like she she wants to be informed i'm like "Mm." infiltrating you right right i'm like "Mm, no no she's not gonna we're not putting her email on the list. Like, and frankly, it's all ridiculous because people can just forward her emails anyway. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not like we're, it's just a weird thing that they want. And so I, this morning I had a meeting with the witness who saw Dana, like, at the church and um, had a conversation about changing the locks and, 
different stuff and uh we have to bring it up at council next week and knowing who's going to be at council we'll, we will see because i think that the end game map like it's a bad end game and it's not going to work but i think that the end game is that dana is going to be the pastor there mm-hmm. but like the only way that's going to happen matt is if they're no longer united methodist denomination like if they're not a part of the denomination anymore so i think the end game in some people's minds is well we'll just leave the, the methodist church and i'm like and i can't wait to tell them that is a giant mistake like i don't i don't know who i don't know where you're getting your info from but like get ready for a for a costly multi-million dollar <laughs> mistake you know as as the the conference goes yeah you can leave you've been valuing your property at 3.2 million dollars so let's call it 4 million dollars and we'll call it even <laughs> 4 million dollars please you know like, and then and then you can leave like like no no that's a bad well, idea do the people in your church realize that they're not Methodists? <laughs> no. no, they don't. Do they, know? they don't know they that. Don't. No, they're not okay. smart enough to know that. They they uh, they don't get it. And so I'm. Uh, why don't they just go to Dana's church? Ah, so this you know? is why I think this is why I think this is the end game. Several of them will be going to Dana's church. I know that. I know that there, there's a couple who's probably going to leave to go to Dana's church. There's a couple other folks who are moving towards that direction as well. The folks with money that like Dana are not going to do that. Right. Because their name is, is already etched in our building. Right. They're not going to go to some. So they, 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 they own it. They own it. In their mind. In their, in their minds. minds. Right. And so that's why I think this is sort of the end game. The end game is, well, we'll just stop being Methodist and, and then Dana can be the pastor. Now, I don't know how many people are interested in this. From what some different folks have told me, a lot of people like Dana, but they like Dana several years ago. Like, I don't know how Dana, how Dana reads now. I'm I'm well liked. I I really am. Like I'm not I'm not disliked by many people. The people who don't like me don't come to church anymore. Yeah. So the people who are at church right now like me fine. And so I doubt very much that they'll go for this. Like all small Methodist churches, they have this fantasy of being an independent church uh, apart from the denomination. Right. And so it'll be interesting for me to have to explain to them that like you've been lied to you've been had like you sh- you shouldn't you don't think i should <laughs> you, no you shouldn't do that your ds should do that that's true that's true my DS you know should. That, sh- that shouldn't be on you to do that your ds should come in and say listen guys this is not how this works um we put ethan here because we felt that ethan was the best person for you if you have a problem with ethan you talk to me not to dana yeah that's definitely true that's that's what should happen yeah. really yeah, I agree. That's not, that shouldn't be on you to, to correct you. You do your job. You're part time, dude. Like, yeah. preach, bury people. You know, go home. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, you you you're correct. You make a good point, and I I do just need to let the. Is DS your DS know. aware of any of this? Not yet, because I've just 
I just became aware of it. It's okay. I just became aware of it yesterday, you know, ultimately, like like the full breadth of it. Like I had known Dana was was around and was, you know, had that history, but or um, what's her allure? Like what did she, does she like hate fags or something? Like what I'm sure she does. Um, but but the primary allure seems to be um they really like how she preaches so like back when she was a music minister she used to um preach for the pastors that were there when they had to be off right um and so folks really like the way she preaches dana is um i met dana i met dana one time and dana is a bully you know she uh she doesn't have any regard really for the rules or for boundaries or, or whatever like, like oh that's not a bully that's a maverick that's good thing. exactly and you're right you're right like yeah. that's that's i think the way she the the appeal right the appeal yeah. is all oh, cool here here we go whereas for me you know i complain about stuff all the time but uh <laughs> and i and i hate i hate red tape just as much as anybody else in the methodist tradition but like I recognize that the boundaries exist to protect everybody and, and we follow the rules and that's what we do. You know, we don't, we don't fuck off and then get in big trouble. Right. Um, Cause that just makes for a bad situation. And I think that part of the appeal of Dana is that she would be just somebody that we like, somebody that we pick, somebody that, that is strong willed and, and is the leader we want rather than, perceived as this leader that's come down from on from the corporation right you know right our appointed leader right um and and you know like i had this conversation once at kerwinsville when um and it wasn't a it wasn't like a, a coup style situation it was different folks um asking the question about what it would mean to leave the methodist church because everybody hated the conference at kerwinsville Nobody wanted to yeah. deal with anybody, which I get. Like, it's a pain. And I was like, well, I mean, guys, you're just not going to get what you want. Like, I don't know how else to put it. Like, some congregations want to leave the, want to leave a denomination for principled reasons. And that's different, you know? If, if this congregation wanted to leave the denomination because of its stance on homosexuality, that makes sense. It's a it'll be yeah, a pain it, well, at least it's, at least it's concrete. It's not least, based on an emotional thing, so exactly. so to speak. At least it has a substantive. It might be a stupid argument, but at least it's a substantive argument. Exactly. Exactly. It's not coming from we just don't feel good about it, you know. And then and I was like, I don't like it. I don't like it. I right? just like I just don't like it. Exactly. And this and in Kerwinsville, they wanted to. The folks who wanted to leave the denomination wanted to leave for libertarian reasons. Right. You know, we wanted to be free to do whatever we wanted. And I had to explain to them, like, this will actually not give you that freedom. Like, you might think it will. But that's only because you think that the conference exists to restrict your freedom. It, it does not. The conference exists to allow you to do a whole number of things. Like, now you don't have to buy insurance because the conference insures you. So you don't have to... You don't have to file a nonprofit status because you're a part of the denomination, which is its own nonprofit. Like, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to find a pastor. And guys, trust me, <laughs> you do not 
want to have to try to find a pastor in Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. All right. You're not going to get what you want ever. Like, like, <laughs> like in the Methodist church, you have the opportunity to have people who are young with master's degrees show up into your town and church. Well, that's only if you consider someone young with a master's degree an asset. That's true. Unfortunately, someone young with a master's degree in their mindset is some know-it-all kid who doesn't actually know anything. He just thinks because he's got this fancy piece of paper that he's smarter than everybody else. Fuck him. That's, that's how they think. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but... Uh... That and that and I was able to. I I talked to Carol about it once and just just try to talk her through it economically. I was like, economically, Carol, yeah, the church doesn't pay the apportionments to the conference anymore, but like now you have now you're in a whole new world because now you have to start asking questions like, what kind of pastor do we want? Do we have the capability to lure that kind of pastor into Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania? Right. Like, like, I don't know, man. Like, you're not, and I'd said that to her. I was like, what would you do? And I, and I, so I always brought it up to her through the store, right? Like, what would you do if you realized that your store needed a media consultant? Like, you realized that Goodman's Food Liner, in order for Goodman's Food Liner to succeed, Goodman's Food Liner needed a millennial with, with a background in, media advertising using the internet what would you do like i guess you could talk to millennials in town but like what if the person you really needed lived in penn state right what what would you do how much would you pay that person could you afford right. to pay that could, could if you needed that person to be on site would goodman's food liner relocate that person to kerwinsville or clearfield well no we couldn't afford that you're fucking right. You can't afford that. <laughs> That's why the conference exists. Like from a church perspective, <laughs> Kerwinsville United Methodist Church didn't pay to send me to Kerwinsville. The conference right. did. Like, like, right. The, the Kerwinsville United Methodist Church didn't pay for my, in, you know, insurance. The conference did. Kerwinsville United Methodist Church didn't have to worry about setting my salary. The conference did. Yeah, they all had to pay some of that. But nobody had to sit in a corner and be like, what's the going rate for pastors? Like, nobody had to do that. Like, it was right. all done for you. Trust me, you do not want to leave the denomination. Well, and see, part of that is this false mythology that everyone in our country seems to believe that, like, we're independent and this libertarian, like, infection that, that people have this perception that they don't need anyone else or they don't, they don't coexist in an environment where like other factors are involved. And like, it, it's a mythology and it's very quickly, like I, I've been doing a lot of electrical work. So like I, ha I have a guy right now who's trying to flip houses and he's like, well, we just need to do this, 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 and this, and then everything will be fine. And he called me in and I was like, no, that's not how that works. Like it's, it's not going to work. Like you, you're going to burn something down or you're not going to pass a code. Like you're never going to be able to sell it. And then he got mad at me, yeah. <laughs> you know? And he's like, well, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, okay. But I had the ability to just go, all right, bye. 
you know, yeah, good exactly. luck with that. <laughs> and, and I didn't have to, you know, he'll find it, he'll figure it out. And like a week later, he called me back and now I'm going back down to, to fix everything that's fucked up. But the point is like, they, they have this mentality that they can, they can do whatever they want. And they don't, there's this, you ever hear people say, well, I like this politician because he's not a politician. Yeah. Or I, I like I like uh, I like Donald Trump because he's not a politician like all the other politicians. Did it ever dawn on you that maybe you need a politician to do a politician's job? Maybe you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and and has had some experience to be able to do that job. You don't call a plumber that's never done plumbing before and say, like, come and fix my toilet. You want somebody that knows what they're talking about, knows what they're doing. You know, you don't you don't go to a heart surgeon and go. Well, I like this guy because he's not a heart surgeon. <laughs> like that doesn't that doesn't work. That doesn't ever happen. So why would it happen with a pastor? Or why would it happen with you know an electrician? Or why would it happen with you know whatever? But people don't consider that. They're just like, well, I don't like it. Well, you may not like it, but you you don't understand it. That's that's part of the problem. You don't understand what you're bitching about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and. You know, that kind of stuff plagues churches that are attempting to do it on their own. Right. And uh, and so we'll see what ends up happening with this. Well, part of me says, fine, let them. Yeah, know, I know. That's but... a part of me, too. Nick said that, too. Nick, when, <laughs> I told, when I told Nick and Jory about this, Nick was like, one, do you have it on camera that she was in? Because if you have it on camera, it's great. You should call the police Two, I hope they fuck this up. I hope they yeah. I hope they tear it themselves down and it's done. I'm like. Yeah, I mean, but sometimes I, that's yeah. the only way. Sometimes it's the only way people learn. Yeah, you know? I think you're right. Sometimes it's the only way that people will understand. It's like, oh, you want Dana? Okay, let Dana run it, and then whenever it's run into the ground in six months, because she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing, she doesn't know how to operate a nonprofit. She doesn't know how to do all the hard work that gets done that everybody in the pews on Sunday doesn't see happen. You know. Uh, once once that's all on fire and crashing and burning, then then where are they going to go? They're going to come crawling right back to the Methodist church. You know? Yep. Yep. It was funny uh, when today when one of the people I was meeting with asked, like, what would happen if we voted, if the church voted to not be Methodist, United Methodist anymore? I'm like, I was like, well, you have to buy the buildings back from the conference. You'd have to file your own nonprofit status. Uh, and then they're going to come and take your sign away. That was the one that got her. It's like, what are you <laughs> yeah. going to take my sign away? I'm like, well, you're not allowed to have the cross and flame, the United Methodist cross and flame on your church if you're not a Methodist church. So they will send people to take that away. But like, we paid for that sign. Yeah, you also paid for the church, but I don't really know what you want. Like, like <laughs> yeah, but you you don't own it. Yeah, you know? sorry, you, you know you 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 might have paid for you know you paid for your your brake shoes and your car, <laughs> but right. If exactly. they replace, they're going to take them off. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> so they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. Like, I, would, I would, I would, I would, I would seriously talk to them um, in, in one of their meetings and be like, I think you guys should, if you don't believe in this tenant, this tenant, and this tenant of the Methodist faith, because this is what we do here as Methodists. And if you don't agree with that, Here's what I think you ought to do. Buy your own place, buy your own building, buy this building, whatever. And then no one can tell you what to do. And you'll be totally on your own, which is exactly what you want. And see if any of them bite, because they're all going to say that sounds great. And then once they start actually looking at the bills, they're going to shut up. 
So like called her bluff on it is what I would say. <laughs> yeah, that's a good call. That's you a know, good call. Go for it. Like, like if that's what you think you want, go for it. Here's what you got to do. I'll I'll help you. Here, go for it. And watch them all shut up because as soon as they, they're part of the reason that I think a lot of people bitch is because they know nothing's going to happen to them. Like this is part of the problem with like social media and cell phones and all this other stuff and how vitriolic and evil people can be on social media. It's because they're not there face to face and somebody's, you know, you can't punch somebody through a screen. You know, do you ever notice how like all those people that are screaming at a sporting event or something like that only do it when they're in the crowd surrounded by a bunch of other people. But when they're face to face with the individual that they're upset with, they're nice as pie and they ask for autographs. Do you ever notice that part of the mob mentality? It's part of the it's part of the uh, aggression that we get away with in our society because nobody is there to punch you in the face when you shut up, when you say something you shouldn't. You know, (laughs) so like, and obviously I'm much more confrontational than you are, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's true. I think we're just confrontational in very different ways. Like, well, I would, I I would be sitting in that meeting going, yeah, go for it. Let's see you do it. I'd love to watch this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily do that. I'd be more. You know, I, I, but I wouldn't shy away from the conversation. Like I wouldn't. No, demure, I'm not saying you know? that you're a coward. I'm just saying that you're not as forward as I am. Maybe. <laughs> well, I still think that you should go to seminary and be a pastor. It's like a, oh. as a separate thing. I think that'd be fun. Well, I I'd have to start have my own church, and we've already established. <laughs> I don't know if you should do that. Uh, I think that um, no, I'd go to it. I test. It. I try it out, but I, right. I don't know. I don't know how that would go. Oh man! But yeah, there is no on. way. There is no way I could handle being a pastor. There is zero chance in hell that I could handle being a pastor. I don't have the patience for it. I don't have the patience for it. I would hear some old lady come in and complain about this, that, and the other thing. I'd be like, "Well, you're going to hell, so I don't know <laughs> hell, what you're all yeah. worried about." <laughs> like you're, you know, yeah. Like, what do you want me to tell you? What do you What do you want me to say? Like, if you're not going to change the way you're behaving, then you know, go fuck yourself. Get out of my office. <laughs> Get out of my office. Yeah. Yeah. That's, we're not not really, that's not very pastoral. Now, is it? That, that wouldn't go over great. That wouldn't go over well. No, I, uh, man, it, the pastor gig is always uh, a strange one. It, there's really no other job that's quite like it. It's, it's definitely a weird job. But um, I think when it's when things are going you know, well, it's one, what I notice about it a, a lot. And I, I mean, I, I see a lot of the good things that you do. But I also see maybe it's just because of our relationship in, in, in terms of being friends. And I have a little bit closer relationship to you in, in, in a, a personal sense than, than maybe some of your parishioners. But I see the amount of shit that you eat on a daily basis. You know? <laughs> like, and I'm just like, man, nobody should have to take that, whether you're a pastor or not. Like nobody should have to take that. So I admire your ability to to constantly eat shit and not spit it back in people's faces it's impressive to me well, how you're I'm able glad. to do that i'm glad you're impressed i know it, i don't like to eat shit i know it, it pisses my wife off in in a good way you know i i think it's more we do eat a lot of shit that's definitely true i think it's more that we um we eat that shit because we're trained to recognize that the people that nine out of 10 times, the people who are flinging the shit at us 
are really just scared. You know, sure. they're they're really scared. They're they the world is so strange to church people now. And I think that they fling less shit the the more the less anxious they feel. And that's always been my strategy. That was my strategy in Kerwin, so it's my strategy here. Like everything's fine. We don't there's there's no anxiety. We're not doing anything. That's why I think a lot of church the, the churches that have the highest anxiety are also churches looking for those mavericks, right? Like they're looking right. for those leaders that are gonna come in guns akimbo and you know, totally, totally freaking out, you know, making the making the the big decisions really, really fast without any regard for the rules. And it's because they have such high anxiety that they're they're looking for that 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 relief that they only can get from a charismatic leader. And part of my personality and part of my training tells me. Go ahead. No, it's fine. I was just going to say, like, part of my personality and part of my training tells me that that you run from that. Like, you you as a pastor, you do not give in to that. And then as a as a person, as a religious person or as a whatever person, you you do not fall for that garbage, you know. And instead, you you do your best to cultivate a a church culture in which we have very little anxiety and, and, and that's what helps people think clearly and recognize that the rules are fine and that we actually don't need some weird tyrant charismatic pastor leader, you know, telling us what to do. It makes for a much healthier system. That's what I think. I, I agree with you. What, what happens with anxiety and fear is it snowballs and it gets you into even worse situations. I mean, you look at the, look at the, uh, <clears throat> women that can't leave their abusive husbands right mm. they're under the delusion that they need that person they're under the delusion that that person has the answers to their problems or that they love him or whatever and they don't recognize the damage that's being done to them by that person like and i think it's a very similar situation with a with a with a congregation, right? They think that there's going to be some kind of magic bullet that's going to come and take away all their pain whenever their pain is being caused by their own actions. Their, their yep. pain is being caused by, it, it's like a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about like how when new people come into your church and they just kind of glom onto them and they, they're like, oh my God. And they, there's this like sense of desperation, right? No, nobody wants to be around that. So that's why people won't come. And then because people won't come and that's what causes them not to come and it's a it's a it's a cycle right and they they can't see you can't see a cycle like that when you're in it right often oftentimes people in abusive relationships or whatever don't understand that they're in an abusive relationship they tell themselves all kinds of lies because they don't want to change because they don't want to they don't want to step outside of what they consider their comfort zone they're afraid to do that and that fear keeps them immobilized and that fear keeps them on the same hamster wheel. Right. And they can't, they can't break free of it. And sometimes the only way for somebody to break free of it is to say, fine, run on your fucking hamster wheel. Good luck then. And then they, they, they have to make a decision at that point. No one's going to come and do it for me. Right. You wanted to be independent. You wanted to be libertarian. You wanted to like handle everything on your own and do things your own way. Fine, fucking do it. And whenever that happens, then a change is forced upon them because they can't continue to do the same thing over and over again. I think that's true. Uh, what's what's the most difficult uh, commandment of Jesus? It's do not be afraid. 
Yeah, it's you know? it's, a, it's a really tough one. <laughs> you know, and and uh, I think but that that's red. A- that's red as a comforting thing. I think to a lot of Christians, yeah. to a lot of people, it's red as a it's red as a a, a pampering sort of thing. Uh, sure. uh, Jesus. It's the footprints in the sand thing where well, yeah, remember, yeah. there's only one set of footprints. That's when Jesus carried me. You know, that's the like the mentality that these people read that statement. in. Be not afraid means, oh, somebody's going to take care of me. No, no. Be not afraid is a commandment to you so that you don't get screwed. <laughs> right. But they yeah, don't look at right. it in that light. They because it's more comfortable to think that somebody's going to come and rescue you. It's, it's interesting you've drawn a connection that I hadn't considered before, Matt, between um, the, the, this kind of the anxiety and the fear and, 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 and the cyclical nature of kind of the libertarian view of freedom. <laughs> um, I had not really considered it in that way, but I, I think that I think there's such an interesting then connection that can be drawn as well between Jesus's command of do not be afraid and then just sort of the the. The, the Christian worldview that kind of comes from, you know, careful attention to the way in which we understand the relationship between creation and God and, and, and all of this stuff. And so the more there is something, Jesus breaks people out of cycles. That's something that is as a, actually a fairly common way of talking about things. St. Paul sort of says it in those ways too, like, the cycle of sin that Jesus breaks us out of, the sort of never-ending looping around of our own sin and our own death and, and fear and anxiety and groans and stuff like that. Jesus has the ability to kind of enter into that cycle and, and help us and break us out of that or help us break out of that. Um, and one of the things that I find really interesting is there's this sense in which to be broken out of that is to be freed for each other rather than freed as this sort of autonomous being that may be part of the cycle is the misguided belief that I am my own God and I am my own, I am my own autonomous sovereign being. And I think, I think another important aspect is it is to recognize that being broken from a cycle isn't, doesn't feel liberating at the time. It feels wrenching. Yeah. Right. It feels like you're being forced. It fe- feels like you're being torn out of your cycle. Right. So perfect example in, from my own experience, you know, when I was working at the prison for all those years, I was in a cycle and I thought, man, if I ever lose my job, I'm screwed. Like huh. I, 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 I was afraid to leave the job because I was comfortable there and it was providing all the means that I needed. And I was in that cycle. Until I lost my job. I didn't lose my job because I wanted to. I lost because it was it was taken, right? I was wrenched out of that cycle. In being wrenched out of that cycle, I was forced to start a new, a new occupation. And now I'm willfully going back into that environment. But but I will not be stuck in the same cycle because I've I understand that there are options, that there are that there are other things that I can do that. I, I wouldn't have done the electrician thing had I not lost my job. I wouldn't have done it. There's no way, you know, but being forced out of that cycle, being torn out of that cycle benefited me. Now, fortunately, I have the opportunity to return financially to that place. But 
that cyclical mentality is gone. It's gone forever, you know, and that's been broken. It's been, I, so in a, in a way I've been liberated. I was terrified when I lost my job. It was a scary experience and it wasn't something I did willingly. I was wrenched out of it. It was torn out of me, but now I'm good. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I course. think, I think a lot of people are in that situation and in, in many aspects of their lives, it doesn't all have to be financial, but like your congregation is in a cycle that they need booted out of drag, kicking and scream, screaming out of to recognize that they're not captured by it. Right. I think that's true. I think that's true. The, uh, the, the, it, it's, it's just a very interesting thing to see that, to, to consider that our views of freedom, the, the, the thing that's going to make us the most free in our minds is often the thing that we find uh, traps us and captures us mm -hmm. in a way that I think is really, really telling. Um, I had a, I talked to Joe about this. I recorded with Joe for our other, my other podcast this morning mm -hmm. after my meeting. And one of the things that Joe asked me that I was actually oh, so you were really bummed out when he talked to her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a little I'm a little happier now. You've had some you've had a few hours to kind of absorb spit some of the shit sandwich out before you talked to me. <laughs> That's right. But Joe got it with both barrels. Huh? She was fine. She she handles that stuff well. But she uh one of the things that, that she asked me that I was a little surprised about, uh, and I shouldn't have been surprised about because Joe's good at this, is she was like, so in, how does it feel like, like from a, like, how, how are you feeling knowing that there are members of your church that would rather not have, would rather not have you, but have somebody who's not even a Methodist, you know, yeah. be, be their pastor. And uh, I appreciated the question. I'm, and I told her the truth. I was like, I don't really take a lot of this personally. I think that if this was Kerwinsville, I take it a little more personally, just because I've, I've done more work and I had a different relationship with them but um but the primary thing i think about is just how is how much christians in this country hate the church and what i mean by that is is like they hate that the church has a claim on them when they join when they when, when they they would much rather the church be the kiwanis club where right. where like they join or or like yeah, yeah, I'm a member of 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 you know, Walmart super saving. Well, what of it? You, you know, see, like, like, and in their defense, Ethan, that's how it's sold to them when they do join. You're right. You're right. You know, in their defense, nobody's nobody's signing up for Christianity because they know it's going to be a struggle. Yeah. <laughs> nobody's signing up for it because they know it's going to be hard. They think it's going to be salvation. I mean, that's what's. That's what's that's how you get people in the door, right? You promise them salvation, you promise them relief from their struggles. You don't promise them more struggles, you know. And when you find out what Christianity is really all about and how hard it is and how much work it is and how difficult it is, it's easy to run back into that hamster wheel to avoid it. Yeah. That, you're that's wise, man. I think that's true. Um, I think you're right. I think they're they're not sign. They they don't realize that this is what they're signing up for. And because for me, like I have a lot of distrust for institutions. Like I'm not sitting around talking about, you know, how you need to submit to the institution of the Methodist Church. I don't really care about that. 
what what I'm just simply pointing out is they seem to they seem to fail to understand that being a part of the church means that in a sense we belong to each other now like we 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 are mutually submissive to one another in a different way doesn't mean that doesn't mean that we allow each other to abuse one another that's not what i'm saying but like no but you're supposed to be there to serve each other exactly not to be served you're supposed to be there to care for other people not to be cared for right right like and and i think that a lot of people come out from a sense of desperation or just a sense of indoctrination from a young age or whatever Mm -hmm. with this mentality that they have a right to be cared for or they have a right to be uh respected in some way that they that they don't afford to anyone else you know they don't afford that to an, a migrant they don't afford afford that sort of thing to an unwed mother they don't afford that sort of understanding that sort of open-minded compassion to you know an orphan or to a homeless person or to a widow they don't they don't afford that to anyone else but they expect it for themselves and it's that's part of the hypocrisy that i see with not just methodism like all organized sorts of religion right like like people don't practice what they preach (laughs) because i don't think they understand what they're preaching yeah i you know by by way of wrapping up this part you I, I really <laughs> do think you're no, I think you're right. Like, I think it's good. I, I really do think your analysis is is spot on when it comes to um, people uh, re- really are just they just don't really know. They, they don't really know that what they're signing up for is is X, you know, and instead they think they're signing up for Y. One of my professors in seminary, my advisor in seminary was a guy named Frederick Douglas Poe, Dr. Frederick Douglas Poe. He's a good guy. And he writes on. Um, church growth and different things like that and one of the things he used to say in his classes is i really he's like i don't think the problem is that people aren't loving each other he's like i think the problem is is that we've taught people to love incorrectly right and they're just doing what they think they're supposed to be doing you know and that's and that's just it and that really changed a lot of things for me as a seminary student i was like yeah, yeah. What well, the real problem is is just we've just trained people wrongly. We yeah. we've told we have told them for decades that the church is like being a Freemason or like joining the Kiwanis Club. Right. We have, you know, we have told them for decades that you love You have Cub Scout like, meetings in your basement. What the exactly, fuck? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And 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 so and so it shouldn't surprise us when when somebody, when a rich person at the church gets confused that they can't throw money at a thing and make a new thing happen. Right. You know, like, well, you can't, you can't do that. You mean I can't just put a yellow ribbon on my tailgate and, and care for veterans? No, I guess not. <laughs> you, Why not? Yeah. That's what I thought I was doing. And you said it right. Like you said it right. That's what I thought I was doing. Right. Yeah. You, you thought you were doing that not because you're a fucking idiot, but because no, and not because you, that's what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, not because you're an idiot and not because your heart's not in the right place. Exactly. Exactly. You, you know? were just told wrong things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's important. And, and so that's kind of where I'm at with this situation. But, but again, that's that cycle. 
right? You're and right. a lot of the only way to, I think the only way to get a lot of people out of that cycle is to wrench them out of it. That's uh, that's a word, man. That's a word. <laughs> Uh, there, there are folks like that who there are plenty of theologians who who would say, yeah, you got it. That's what Jesus does, man. The, the theoretically, Jesus is supposed to is supposed to to drag us bodily out of things, you know, and so and and be like, shape up. This is this is yeah. your life now, you know, like yeah. like that's the idea. But we will see. We will see. All right, I'm gonna wrap us up. We'll do. Uh, I guess this is, will be our our last. Wheel of Time bonus content for I'm a while. I'm so depressed about that, but we'll get into that in a minute. We'll get into that in a second. <laughs> Friends, thanks for listening. This has been an episode of Hooga Chats with Matt and Ethan. We'll see you next time. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs>